0: Sorry, I don't love you. A fresh have gone accustomed to. Cause with you is something isn't wrong. Something isn't wrong. Something isn't right. I wish you could be happy. Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom Is Back. We have a brand new guest this week. Julie Lindzor is joining me to talk all about Captain America, the first Avenger. Before we dive in, though, I just want to let you all know that. This episode is sponsored by LootCrate.com, and we will have 10% savings for you on any new subscription at TryLootCrate.com forward slash GeekdomPod, and the code for that is BRIDGE10. I'll have it in the show notes and everything. You don't even have to remember it, but we're going to dive into the topic right now. Julie, how are you doing today?
1: Good, good. Good. Excited to be here.
0: Awesome. And I rewatched this film literally this morning. Just so it would definitely be fresh for me, and I know you are a big team cap person, so Hi, it yeah. felt like a good fit to have you on. And for those who might not know, I've been writing for Hidden Remote for a bit now, and that's how I know Julie through the lovely Slack group that they have going there.
1: Yes, it's that, that's new. Actually, we we just started doing that recently, so it's been really beneficial.
0: Yeah, it's like I came on right at the right time because I was just like, I really want like an active Slack group to be in because I had a friend who tried to set one up for a bunch of music industry people and it like got going for maybe a week or so and then just very quickly fizzled out. So I'm glad this one's sort of still going strong and everything like that. But today captain america the first avenger the very first captain america movie from 2011 i was thinking about it i was like wow this came out the year i graduated from high school so i apologize if i just made anyone feel old but it also doesn't feel that long ago like six years isn't a very long time we've just had so many movies since then that it feels like this movie was much longer ago than it actually was and Julie, I want to start off by talking about the casting choices, since this was the first Captain America movie. That seems like a pretty good place to start, because then we see these characters in future movies, obviously, and Chris Evans went from being in the Fantastic Four to being Mm -hmm. Captain America, which I think was probably the best career choice he made.
1: (laughs) Actually, he almost turned down the part. He almost said no when they offered him Captain America because he has a pretty bad anxiety that he's really, really open about. And he uh, he almost said no. And then actually what stopped him from saying no was the fact that he was like, am I going to let this opportunity pass by because I don't want to deal with. What happens when you're famous, and that kind of changed the the context of why he was saying no, and and so when he was uh, when he like finally accepted it, um, it 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 was it was pretty it was pretty interesting all of his interviews after that because he was like yeah well I almost wasn't, and then for a little while he also kept telling people that he couldn't be Captain America forever because his hairline was receding. And I thought that was really, really funny because, um, at one point we were, I was talking about it with a group of people and I was like, oh yeah, he keeps like, he keeps coming up with a different excuse. And, they were like a hairline receding is like nothing. And I was like, it's really funny that like, I think now it's become like a joke that like, Oh, he wasn't going to do it. And it was so successful and such a good choice. I mean, I'm sitting here in a, in a Captain America shirt right now. So like, that's, right. that's the, that's like the level like we are at. Um, but it's, It's reached its own, you know, it's very meta in a way. Disney, I don't know, I think they incubate all the Chris's in a lab or something because every single one of them not only suits the role that they're chosen for, but it just, it it feels like it, like, collapses in on itself. Like, it's, you're like, oh, I don't know why I didn't think of that, you know, every single time. And everyone in that movie is superbly cast. I mean, you know, you could go, you know, start, Starter Chris Evans, but I mean everyone that, uh, you know, Haley Atwell also, she was she wasn't anyone. But yeah. you have even background characters who like Jenna Coleman is famous now. And she was just one of the dates to the dance that, you know, Bucky brought um, before he shipped off. So, you know, but and that and that's where Captain America itself, I've I've found that the movie itself has gotten better because of the sequels that have built on it. So, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't even notice, you know, the continuity is just almost flawless.
0: Yeah, and we've seen Chris Evans as Captain America fully in five movies, and I know he has some little uncredited scenes and spoiler alert, Mm -hmm. obviously, for not only this movie, but also a Spider-Man Homecoming real quick here. He does PSAs in there, so he's credited in the Spider-Man movie, even though he's not really in it. In it, so we see him pop up in all these different places, and he's obviously a huge part of the Avengers too. He was
1: in Thor: Dark World also because yeah. Loki changes into him. He was the big cameo of that movie. Um, which that's the other thing, you know he his own movie takes place. So you know so far in the past that there aren't cameos you know the the cameo is the tesseract i guess because his whole movie sets up for so much story
0: yeah and obviously stanley is going to do, do his little cameos in every single movie so oh, yeah. that's that's expected though so it's not really a surprise it's just kind of like oh what's stan going to do next and it's one of those things but this ended up making million worldwide and when you think about it this was still really marvel getting their bearings and everything with these big blockbuster movies because you know iron man i believe was in 2008 and the incredible hulk and then you got iron man 2 even before this i think so yeah it's just you know they were still sort of getting a feel.
1: Thor also came out before uh, Captain America.
0: Yeah, to me, that seems like an interesting choice because I feel like, you know, Thor maybe isn't quite as popular as far as the Avengers characters go. And to have something like the Incredible Hulk and Thor come out before Captain America, you know, looking back on it now, it's just kind of like, huh, that was was interesting. (laughs) And... I think with this one, they sort of really started to figure out where they wanted to go. And like you said, it's quite a bit of setup and everything like that. So we're getting, you know, him and Peggy Carter, and we even get Dum Dum Dugan in this movie. And at the very end, we get Nick Fury. And I think the fact that they sort of took the time to introduce Nick Fury was a smart choice, especially because he wasn't around in that time period in the, you know, first portion of the movie and everything, or the main portion of the movie, I should say. And looking back on the movie, there's definitely a lot more things I noticed that I probably didn't notice, you know, like in the midst of the hype for the movie and everything like that. And after seeing so many more Marvel movies since then, looking back on some, you're just kind of like, yeah, maybe they weren't quite as good as I thought, but you also have to remember they weren't as good at it yet as they are now. So I think, you know, let's talk about the storyline very briefly here, actually. Red Skull is sort of the main villain here, and I found with a lot of superhero movies, sometimes the villains fall flat for me, and I wouldn't necessarily say Red Skull did that here, but it's just like, it kind of felt like there was all this buildup to the character. And then it was just like, all right, he's here. (laughs) And it's like, you kind of know it from the beginning. What did you think about the choice for Red Skull to be the villain for the first Captain America movie?
1: So the, because of the war itself, I mean, you know, Steve's nature in general was just to, to get there and to, to fight. He, he felt left out, but he also, he just, you know, it's he, he wanted to stop the bullies. Um, and I, I think that, again, it, I feel like Red Skull was, is is better now than he was when I first saw the movie, actually. Because now you know all of the struggles that occurred with the, you know, Super Soldier Serum. And, you know, especially what, what continued to happen to the Super Soldier Serum, like with Bucky. And... I think that in the the first the first time I saw the movie I was not impressed at all actually. Okay. And um I I still I will openly tell people that that movie is boring. Right. Um there's a lot that happens and the pacing is really bad, really bad. For like you said they were they were figuring themselves out. Yeah. But there's so much like like that the scene where they won't let him do anything so he's a part of the chorus line yeah that goes on forever forever you could literally fast forward it because it it, by the time they get to the howling commandos and all of that stuff you you've had enough everyone's had enough and i don't think that that was their intent i don't think that they were trying to irritate everyone but you really do sit there and go you know i'll Everyone complains, everyone complains about every superhero movie, oh, there wasn't enough action. And I'm not sure what that means in certain contexts of certain movies, because, like, without the dialogue, the action doesn't make sense. Right. and. So they had to they had they had to make us fall in love with pre serum Steve, so I get all the time spent before that, but after I feel like one or two showing him going around, you know we didn't need a whole i mean that montage lasts like twenty minutes it feels like <laughs> if yeah. not that you you know a good chunk of the movie is used just just showing him going to different you know states and talking to people and and you really there starts to be a disconnect I felt like between the start of the movie and the middle of the movie. And I mean, it's pretty common for the, you know, the the second act and everything to to have issues. But what was interesting about Red Skull specifically in in the larger story is that it wasn't a about him, it was about Hydra, which has become like a focal point still. And I think that I think that having a an actual face to pin on Hydra was really what Disney was after. So whenever the name is mentioned and everything like that, you know, now we know, you know, it's this huge organization. But back when you know, during World War II for 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 Steven and and Peggy and you know the rest of the Howling commandos to have someone to lay the blame on it it made it a little easier what was really not good about the the entire arc of the character is that i so much rested on how he looked that other than that there's very little substance to him he he first of all he comes in and he goes out by you know the last couple of minutes of the movie and it's very like anticlimactic in a lot of ways the the climax is that you know he he has to go down with the plane you know so you're i don't know if their intent was to leave you wanting more which might have been in which case they succeeded but you finish captain america and you're kind of like okay what's next which we know what's next but (laughs) I think that with that being so much of the focus, they lost a little bit of the story in between. I mean, now also they, you know, they're they have a pretty, you know, packed group of, you know, writers and directors and you pretty much know who's going to be doing what. So, yeah, they were they were getting their bearings. But at the same time, like they'd done, like you said, three three movies yeah they had done three movies before that they should have been a little bit more on their way
0: yeah they they might have even done four with the two iron mans and then hulk and thor unless we just want to disregard hulk but you know don't
1: speak of it i mean you know it's one of those things (laughs) i think that was just a colossal failure and yet they still won't give us a black widow movie
0: you know that can
1: fail all it wants but yeah
0: But to go back to your point about the pacing problem, too, I really felt that with the opening of the movie. I forgot that it started with introducing us to Hydra, basically. And for me, I think the movie could have started with the movie theater scene where we first see Steve. And then I think starting off with him might have felt better for the pacing because you're seeing all this stuff in the beginning of the very first captain america movie and you're not really entirely sure what's going on or why this has any significance so i think they could have just sort of either taken that out altogether because i think even without that opening we still would have had a good understanding of what was going on had we started from that movie theater scene and sort of just see Steve get into the military and meet Peggy Carter and everything like that. And for me too, I feel like some of the best scenes from this movie were simply the scenes with Steve and Peggy together. You know, that scene in the car before he's this super soldier and everything, it was just so much of what both of those characters stand for. Even before he became Captain America, I was like, okay, okay. This is what they got right in this movie, and I think that relationship that they built throughout it, and they kind of let it build up all the way until when he gets on the plane to get Red skull
1: right well, I think what what works so well is is the way Steve interacts with people, and I, I agree because about the the start of the movie because the other thing is that it it actually starts in present day when they find him oh my god he's alive and and then it gets real confusing because you go back to the past and it's not the past where where you're interacting with steve at all by the time you do you you're like okay they've they've set me up for for his intro and and you're again you're ready for it and then you're still left like waiting a little bit but, what was so true about the the movie and what has maintained it is um is that relationship between you know Peggy and Steve they are there and and a lot of people not to go into Agent Carter and everything, but a lot of people had issue with the fact that the first season of Agent Carter relied so heavily on a little bit of like a Captain America plot, but I found that they they did what worked best. And the one thing about Peggy and Steve is that like Peggy carries around a picture of pre-serum Steve, you know, she, while yes, there's that famous scene where she touches him after he comes out of, you know, the, the machine and he's all muscly now. It's not their entire bond and relationship and everything they taught each other doesn't, that, that started, you know, when when he managed to get himself into boot camp and, you know, jumped on the grenade. You know, that, that started when people were, were us underestimating them both. And what I really like about it is how easily it's maintained. You know, when my, my favorite line of the movie will forever always be, do you fondue? And then <laughs> because it's so, it's so Steve, you know, he, he, Even when, especially because that scene in particular occurs uh, after Bucky is like, oh, I'm you. Like, no, you're, Bucky is smooth and knows how to talk to girls and Steve is, will always be pre-serum Steve. And the fact that they were able to maintain that in the same way they were able to maintain the, the, the Bucky and Steve Bond that's been so crucial to other movies as well. It, it It's the it's the most wholesome part of Steve. You know, he he didn't ask to be a super soldier. It just kind of happened. But he took up what he knew how to do best and went ahead. You know, he would have done it if he was small. He would have died. <laughs> but he would have done it. And, I mean, that's what made him special to begin with. But the fact that, I mean, the fact that the... The, there's so much time. Time is like a huge theme in superhero movies too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a huge theme. And, and you know, the fact that when he goes and sees Peggy again in uh, Winter Soldier, that, you know, everyone has the same reaction. They're like, oh, Peggy, because it's not just what she meant to Steve. It's It's what he meant to her. And it's their entire history you know and and not because of what they went through it you know it's because of you know again that everyone everyone just totally underestimated them she was a woman and you know and disrespected that's the first peggy scene we get she punches someone in the face it's fantastic um you know and and he you know he was, he was the underdog. He was the little guy. And, and so the fact that, you know, when he's not really like a little guy anymore, he's still, you know, he, that's, that's his fighting spirit. He'll always, you know, fight for that person, which is why it's so interesting to have seen him evolve since those movies, because, you know, that's, and, and that's why, that's why Bucky is so important to him. I mean, he just keeps losing people. That's part of it.
0: Yeah, and I can't believe after rewatching it, I still forget about the opening scene where they find him in ice. <laughs> because to me, it's like the movie really starts when they go back to introducing Hydra and everything. So I think that just sort of goes to show that not every superhero movie needs to be over two hours just because they want to pack all this stuff. And I mean, this one came in right around two hours. So it's actually one of the shorter superhero films, at least I'm pretty sure it's on the shorter end. And, you know, for me, I was thinking about this somewhat recently. I was like, whatever happened to the Movies that were like ninety to a hundred minutes and just sort of perfectly yeah. fit in everything they wanted to fit in, I feel like something like this could have benefited by a twenty minute cut or something like that, like you said, Absolutely. making that montage scene shorter, making that introduction to Hydra shorter, and sort of just giving us a little more of Steve to start the movie. I think really would have helped this, and while there's a lot that doesn't. Works super well for this movie. There's still enough that works well to push it forward and bring us the Avengers and everything like that. And because they had already introduced Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, and now Captain America, you know, that sort of just made sense as the next move. And for me personally, I think I probably enjoy the Winter Soldier the most out of all of the Captain America films. And I think it's just because that's when they really, you know, got that core group of, like you said, directors, writers, and everything, and they sort of had things down by then, for sure. And I think what did it for me in this was simply the fact that Haley Atwell played Peggy Carter so well, and I think she was able to bring out more in Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. She could act against a rock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so did you actually know anything about Captain America going into this? Because for me personally, I've been getting really into comics more so, I want to say, in the last two or three years than anything else. So, you know, back in 2011, I probably hadn't read more than a handful of comics, if that. And I don't think any of them were Captain America comics, if I had read some. So I think, you know, these movies just do a good job of getting people to dive into the superhero and comic book culture. And I know for me, the movies did play a big role in that. But do you read the comics? Or you, did you know about Captain America before this?
1: I had not read the comics, but I did know about him before for a couple of reasons. Um, Well, first, <laughs> I'm going to age myself, because you mentioned that uh, the movie came out when you graduated high school. The movie came out while I was in college. Okay. And um, uh, I remember when, when Iron Man came out, I distinctly remember going, oh, this is so like something, you know, I, you know, I always liked Batman and all of that stuff. So it was kind of like, oh, of course, this is something I would be interested in. But my scope of knowledge as far as like Iron Man, when I really I really didn't know much and I. I Robert Downey Jr. did a really good job of making me go, oh, okay, I need to go investigate some of this. Now, with Captain America, you kind of always know who he is. Like, I feel like it's just one of those things that, like, you're aware of it, but you right. don't necessarily, like, know about him. And I I can tell you, like, I wasn't interested in, like, when the Fantastic Four was going on and stuff like that, I was not into any of that kind of stuff. I was not Curious about it. It didn't strike my interest. By the time that Captain America came out, I, you know, I had seen all the other movies. And I, I knew a little bit more about him at that by then than I did about any of the other Um, comic characters for a couple of reasons one was that stanley created him to you know fight the nazis and that was always like an interesting talking point especially while you're in school it's like a great way to get people to like pay attention and stuff like that so you know this the the rise of comic book culture and its forms of media has been happening for a while and so he had an advantage because of, of the character he was playing, but I didn't, I really didn't know very much about Steve Rogers. And then after seeing it, I like the movie itself didn't, didn't impress me. And I was much more interested in the Avengers just because I was curious to see them all together. And then it was more, it was more the Avengers that made me start to like investigate like, Steve and and everything like that at least in in his comic book form and one of the interesting things about him is that you know he the the stories themselves I mean you know he was he was created you know by a little Jewish kid who wanted to like you know he who wanted someone to protect him and you know that's very similar origins in a way to the two guys that created Superman as well and it's it's such a fascinating thing to study because you have it's 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 its own relic of of, you know, the the past. It's its own way of understanding what, you know, what the feelings were in in World War Two and stuff like that. And but then I didn't really want to go too deep because Peggy Carter in the comics is not very likable. She is actually quite annoying <laughs> and she's very much like obsessed with Steve in the way that comic book writers tend to write women so i kind of felt like like i was i was happier with disney's version Um, which is usually the case with most of their stuff anyway. Um, I was, I was happier to accept Disney's version than to like tarnish what I already, you know, knew. And what's interesting is they, they kind of, they kind of fell back on a little bit of like a, a bad habit with introducing Sharon Carter at all. Um, and I, I think that's interesting. I think that there's, there's a, there's its own reasoning for that, but I do think some of the like the expectations of the comics do affect what they choose to do and don't do in the movies. And I think that plays an interesting um, role in how the rest of the, the world is, you know, created. Like I said, the movie was so bent on explaining how the Avengers came to be that I think that it lost sight of itself a little bit because you know i think that's why we spend so much time with the tesseract so that when loki's running around new york wielding it it's not like this mysterious object we're supposed to be afraid of it we're supposed to be upset that it's you know that that Steve and the tesseract came out of the ice you know it and and i i think that i think that's where some of the you know origin stories are hard. Yeah. <laughs> and and very few movies get it right. You know, Iron Man got it right. Wonder Woman got it right. You know, they they're they're hard. They're we know these stories, you know. That that's why, you know, Spider-Man has such a hard time to begin with. We've seen we've seen oh my god, if I had to see another Uncle Ben, I would not have handled it well. I like you, you know what I mean? You Yeah. You, get bored of the, you know, all of these superheroes have origin stories, except for maybe like, you know, uh, you know, T'Challa and, and Thor, who are just like, they're born that way. <laughs> um, and I, I think that, you know, where the advantage, where, where Captain America had the advantage, it also had the disadvantage. And, you know, the other thing is that people weren't used to it. In, even in 2011 which wasn't that long ago like the the steady pace of these movies in the sense that like yes we get like two three a year and there was like a lot of fatigue i remember like oh another one <laughs> and it's hard not to fall back on that too like oh okay well we already know about captain america we know that you know he became a super soldier and you know that's his power. And, you know, he, he's patriotic, and truth, justice, and all of that stuff. And, I, and I think that, that, that's why, like, the, the movie itself had, had so many issues in terms of viewing it because you're, you, you are, you're, you're fatigued, you're bored. And, and there's not like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like, like you said, if the movie had been cut by a lot, it would have been, it would have changed. It would have changed a lot. Actually. I think that they also could have upped some of the other characters. Like Howard Stark could have been in it even a little bit more. I think because young Howard is hysterical and it also paints a picture for why Tony feels a certain way about Steve. Um, I, it would have been interesting if this was the first movie instead of Iron Man,
0: especially since this happens first in continuity technically,
1: yeah, I think that i I mean I think that people would have jumped on the bandwagon just as much, but it would have been interesting if you know if this is what came out in two thousand eight because I think that some of some of the issues are are that yeah, it happened first and and you spend so much time you know we're in the future minimally
0: in that movie
1: almost not at all
0: yeah like the last what maybe five minutes if that (laughs) yeah and and I think
1: that you know and that's good I mean you know it would have been interesting to see you know if if Steve hadn't had to do that it would have been interesting to see what would have happened you know more um you know it, but I, I, you know, I I think the I think the biggest problem is that it was an origin story, and by then, you know, like we mentioned, it's you know we we had a bunch already, and it, it's not as much fun. Never mind the fact that like uh, uh, in the future, you know, Tony's off having like a drinking problem, and like there was actual stuff going on, you know. Yeah. You know, and and Thor and Loki in our own context had already happened. So we knew that like some really bad crap was about to go down. You know, it felt like it's, it was stalling a lot. The movie itself, the the timing of the movie, you know, they, they had to introduce him, but, you know, and I think that, the, I, that's why I find it interesting because going into the movie, I, you know, you know who he is, but you're, you know, certainly they did a better job with Steve. I definitely didn't know much about Steve Rogers himself. Yeah. You know, you think of him more, I think, on the, the level of like a, like an alter ego than you would some of the other characters. And I think that that's part of what made learning who Steve is interesting because, like even when i talk about him i don't it's not like oh he's captain america no he's steve rogers he's that that's that's the cusp of it and i think that um you know i think that's again that's what makes learning about the story like when winter soldier came out i did look up some stuff about that movie because i wanted to understand what might be happening in the context of the larger mcu and you know, <clears throat> your friend coming back from the dead would be traumatic for anyone, but the the, the Bucky-Steve thing is very, you know, it's so different from some other stuff you see in movies Um, that, like, I needed... By then, I needed to learn more about who, you know, James Buchanan Barnes was, as opposed to Steve. And, you know... That I think that's part of it too. Steve doesn't really need a lot of context. Like we know we know who he is because of who he is. He's you know it's like Superman but different. He yeah. happens to walk around with a shield and his name is Captain America. You know it's one of those things that like I'm fairly sure his shield was on shirts before it was like on shirts. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah at least in my subconscious it's, you know, he's the marketing for Captain America has existed before the movie did. Um, which would make sense. I mean, his, you know, the, the comic books were very popular. Um, but yeah, I don't, I I think that I, I think that the live action version is a lot more intriguing. I think that there's a lot of depth That the actors themselves bring to these characters that make the more two dimensional version difficult. I think that what's interesting is seeing, you know, these comics get new writers and new additions all the time. And what's interesting is seeing, you know, what the people who play them have to say when the comic does something ridiculous, like have Captain America be Hydra in some weird, you know, alternate universe. And, um, you know, I, and it was funny cause Chris Evans tweeted and he tweeted something like say it ain't so. <laughs> and, and like, it, like that was the, and even something like that, like while yes. Okay. He's, you know, he's the actor behind it. But at the same time, it's like, you could see, like if Steve Rogers learned how to use Twitter, like that's how he would speak you know and I think that that's part of what makes these what makes these characters so like I don't really separate the two I can separate the comic and the movie and I think one is better than the other but I I don't think that there's a whole lot of like separation between the the character that Disney created and then the Chris Evans that Disney sends out into the world
0: Yeah, and with the comics too, they get so many, I don't want to call them do-overs, but they just get so many different runs for the same character because the comics have been running a lot longer than we've had live-action movies. So when they take storylines from the comics and then sort of change them into a way that works better for what they want to do with the movies, I think that's something that while diehard comics fans aren't necessarily the most fond of, it's something that i think a lot of the general public will forgive them for like in civil war it doesn't end at all the same way that it does in the comics and everything like that but if they had it end that same way you know they wouldn't be able to move forward with the same plan they had for the movies and i think as someone who really enjoys both the movies and the comics I definitely don't take it you know personally or anything when they don't do exactly what the comics did because I feel like that would sort of just be boring it's like okay well I already have the comics so why do I need a movie of the exact same thing and I think what they're doing now is probably better because you're getting these characters but you're still getting two different versions of them like I don't think we'll see the Hydra cap anytime soon in the movies or anything like that. And I think that's fine because there are so many villains you can pluck out of the comics and they make really great transitions into the cinematic world and everything like that. And I think with Captain America, I admittedly haven't read too many Captain America solo comics, but I have read some Avengers stuff and it's definitely a very different dynamic because you have all of these alpha males and black widow mm-hmm. in the Avengers. And, you know, it's like, okay, Tony wants to be in charge, but cap is cap. <laughs> and it's like you get this totally different dynamic, but when you just have the captain America solo movies and obviously civil war a lot more like an Avengers movie like sometimes I forget that was a Captain America movie just because it had literally everyone in it <laughs> so, Chris Hemsworth hasn't
1: <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't forgotten he he won't he's mad at the Russo
0: brothers <laughs> Thor wasn't included <laughs> that is true but you know then they put Ant-Man in it instead and then gave us the introduction to Spider-Man so there was a lot going on in that film but I think With this and the Winter Soldier, they sort of try to find that balance between the comics and what they want to do with the movies. And while I don't think they necessarily hit it out of the park by any means with the first movie, I think they grabbed people just enough to keep them going to the movies. And I think then with Avengers, that's sort of when they started to sort of scale things up and everything. And then the Russo brothers did the second Captain America film, and it seems like people aren't quite as tired of these movies as they maybe seem like they were at the beginning, like you said, and I do want to talk about some of the effects and everything, but before we get into that, I want to let you all know a little more about Loot Crate, so for all of you listeners of Welcome to Geekdom, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription, you can go to trylootcrate.com forward slash geekdompod and enter the code bridge10 like i mentioned at the beginning that'll be in the show notes you definitely do not have to remember it but if you have not seen anything about these boxes it's a monthly subscription service and you basically get all these geeky gamer items pop culture items you'll get you know apparel collectibles all sorts of things and Each box has a different theme, and you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific time to subscribe and receive that month's crate, and I believe by the time you guys hear this, the July box will just be closing. This episode will come out on the 18th, so you will have to order quickly, or you can just wait and see what the next month's box is and order it after the 19th at 9 p.m., Again, that link is trilutecrate.com forward slash geektopod, and this is definitely an awesome deal. So Bridge 10 for that 10% savings. Check it out. But back to the Captain America talk. Julie, I know I posted this in the Google Doc just this morning, but on FX Guide, they go through how they made Steve look like such a wimp, or more so made Chris Evans look like such a wimp at the beginning of the movie and everything when he is pre-serum and yeah it's definitely interesting i think this might be one of the more interesting effects that they used for this entire film simply because it's a lot of image manipulation and i think the one thing they sort of went wrong with i think if they would have changed his voice slightly too yes. it would have been a little <laughs> better because you see this tiny little man and it's like he has this sort of deeper voice and i'm just like that doesn't like, Steve looks like how Steve should look, but he doesn't sound like how he should sound <laughs> for no, being, should. you know, that tiny person.
1: <laughs> yeah, it should have been a little bit, like, either a little bit higher, or a little bit, like, you know, I I don't know, less, less healthy sounding, less, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, it, de- it, it actually, it makes his head look bigger <laughs> when you're, like, not really paying that close attention sometimes yeah. <laughs> like I'll put on in the background and it makes like like you, you're like wait his head is really big for his body and I mean I think that that's part of the point like oh you know he's supposed to look like a little bit like mismatched but at the same time like his voice probably would have been like the easiest thing to change and the fact that they don't like Like, the scene when when he's being knocked out and he goes, I could do this all day, and then it's repeated in Civil War, it's exactly the same. And it shouldn't be. But it's, it's really, really funny because, like, especially when you hear it, like, there's been, you know, a lot of people, especially when that trailer came out, put, like, the two together, they were like, oh, look, he's still the same guy, you know, and it... You hear it, and you really—the first time you see it, you don't really necessarily notice that like his voice isn't a hundred percent the way it should be. But every we rewatch it gets like worse because you're like, "Wait, <laughs> why is like you know?" And and everything he does, you know, they, he doesn't even lower it. You know, when he when he yells at the guy in the movie theater, he 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 knows he knows he's going to get beat up. He knows he's going to get beat up. It's what he does. He gets punched all the time. Bucky even says something about it. And you know, he it kind of especially having like just seen Spider-Man and having that like context, like he sounds like a kid. Yeah. You know And, and I feel like okay, well Steve was an adult. He doesn't necessarily have to sound like a kid, but he should have sounded definitely a lot a lot less like him. Like, when he opened his mouth the first time after, like, when he's in the thing and he says, I'm okay, I'm okay, just keep going. It, sh- it should have come out differently. That should have been shocking. It should have already sounded different, you know. But, but, again, I think that's where, like, the movie was, they were focusing on him, you know, becoming Captain America. And so the, the bigger focus became, oh, okay, he has to get strong. And, you know, they, I think they missed little things. It would be very interesting if the movie came out now with what Marvel knows now. Right. And how different it would be. It wouldn't make
0: sense. But (laughs) And they didn't even necessarily have to raise his voice like a full octave or anything crazy like that. They could have just done it like, you know, make it a little higher by a couple pitches or a couple notes or something like that. And I think it would have sounded a bit better just for the way he looked, because I know sometimes there are people, you'll look at them, and then you'll hear them talk, and it's just like, it it doesn't seem to match up with what you thought they were going to sound like in your head, and I think that was something I definitely noticed a lot more on a rewatch of it, because I hadn't watched this since whenever on earth the first time I watched it was. I don't think I was... Yeah, I don't think I was seeing these movies in theaters just yet. I probably watched it on TV or something at some point after it had already come out because I wasn't quite as, you know, adamant about watching them as quickly. And I think it wasn't really until Avengers or maybe even the second Captain America movie that I was like, okay, I want to go see these in theater now. And I think with the visual effects even though it was only six years ago, there's still been so many improvements in technology since then that I think, looking back at some of these movies that were trying to be more advanced in the technology they use and everything, sometimes it'll look a bit more off than, say, watching something like Star Wars from the 70s and 80s when they did the first trilogy and everything, because... Back then, they didn't have like any of the technology, so they had people in costumes and they were doing all sorts of these things that didn't necessarily require visual effects done afterwards and you know this article it does a really good job of showing you how exactly they did it. you know they have before and after photos, and then they have one with a body double in there. And I think, you know, anyone who is interested in the visual effects aspect should definitely go read this article. And that sort of brings me to my next point, which is slow motion in superhero movies. I'm sort of really over it at this point. And I know it was used in Wonder Woman, like when she was crossing No Man's Land and stuff like that. But I feel like it's becoming increasingly unnecessary. Because it's like, just show me the action in real time, and it'll work just as well. It'll probably actually be more impressive in real time, because in real time, I feel like you would be like, how did they do that? But when you make it slow, it's like, oh, that's how they did it. (laughs) That's sort of how I'm feeling with this. And I think the first time we really saw it here, he was like, throwing a grenade into a ginormous tank and jumping off of it. And I was like, I don't know if I necessarily needed to see that in slow motion. And it's just one of those things where, especially in this movie, it could have cut down on some of the time they were spending doing things in slow motion.
1: Well, the funny thing is in, so after the, the lab is attacked and he has to go running down the street, that is, I feel like the pacing that the movie should have been. I mean, the, yes. the scene itself lasts too long too, but he's, you know, he's still in his old clothes and he's a no bigger shams. guy now. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Chris Evans runs really weird. And so they couldn't get a running double. So he had to do all his own running. Uh, um, that was, that's, that's one of the little other fun facts that I have about nice. the movie I didn't because he runs, yeah, he runs really, really... I have an article about it I'll, I'll send you. I, it's actually on Hidden Remote. Um, he runs really straight. Okay. So they... It's not like your average person tends to like, like move their body like forward a little bit when propelling themselves forward. So they couldn't find someone who could run straight like him. So he had to do all of his own stunts in that regard. And so what's funny is that would have been a scene where you could kind of see them being like, oh, okay, let's do some slow motion because this is him in action for the first time. And they, they don't. And what's interesting is while I was talking, I was reminded, and I hate it, I mean, I hate a lot of it, but there's this that scene in Age of Ultron with, that it opens with, that they're all, they're fighting, and, like, they're all in the same shot, and they, like, they're all doing some, like, signature move. Yeah. And it's. It is not good. It does not work. It takes you out of the action. There's no sound because they, they, they want you to be like, Ooh, how cool. And you really just sit there and go, okay, I'm over it. When, when are we getting to the next scene? Whereas like there, were ta- there were times in Avengers when they were fighting that they did use slow-mo. And I thought that it was effective because you couldn't really tell what was going on. And so, I think there is there's a happy medium there that like you don't have to do it for the cool, awesome action shot, or you know as you know the you know Deadpool would have a comment about this you know which <laughs> right. they, they used a lot of slow motion in that movie too um they i I think that i i think that i mean I feel like the movie itself should have just been sped up a lot more anyway. <laughs> But, um, you know, I I definitely I have some of that some of that fatigue, too. Like I said, I think it could work. You know, um, I think it worked in the No Man's Land scene in Wonder Woman in particular. But I think that, you know, there there are times I'm trying to think of it right now, actually, having just seen Spider-Man again. And there's not there's not a ton of like slow motion in it. Yeah. Um, and I think that worked really well because I mean it helped that tom holland was really like like agility wise he you know he had the stunts he could do most of them himself too um so i think that they didn't necessarily need to like slow a shot down to show us what was going on but you know i i agree i hope that they move away from it like i don't need another shot of that in infinity war you know right it Maybe it works good for a promo. I know that for uh, Age of Ultron, there was a promo where they were, like, all doing something. And, um, it, like, Cap does, like, this, like, flip thing and, you know, Thor is, you know, waving his hammer and everything. And it's not actually a scene that's in the movie. Um, so like they can do that that's fine I don't mind you know going to a movie and going oh I totally did not go for that scene anyway so it's fine you know right. but overall you yeah, know I definitely think they need to like slow down on the slowing down
0: <laughs> yeah and it's just it's just one of those things that has sort of started bothering me more recently because then you start to notice how much they use it especially when you go back and watch things which I'm normally not someone who will go back and reread a book or rewatch a movie just because I've more so been doing something like that specifically for this podcast. It's like, okay, if I'm going to be talking about something I haven't watched in, you know, five, six years, I'm going to go back (laughs) and watch that just to be sure I am talking about the correct things and everything. But otherwise, for me, I'm just like, there are way too many things to consume all the content don't have time to rewatch stuff. I know I have some friends who will probably rewatch the same movie, like five, six, seven times, whatever. And you know, maybe star Wars might be that only kind of movie that I'll rewatch multiple times for me, just because there's so many of them now. And so much happens that in order to remember everything, you sort of just have to keep watching them. And Even those, I've only rewatched, I think, the original trilogy twice, and I did not rewatch any of the second trilogy, and I have yet to rewatch either of the new ones. So we'll we'll see how that goes, but for me, it's just like, okay, slow-mo is just another thing at this point, making these movies even longer than they already are, and with them continuing to be like... Two and a half hours now on a regular basis. I'm just like, I don't have time for this slow mo. Just give me the action and it'll look a lot more impressive if they just do it in real time for a lot of scenes. Like, we really didn't need a slow motion jump of Captain America jumping off a tank. Like, that seemed unnecessary to me. I was like, just let him jump off the tank. Like, that doesn't need to. Not every explosion needs to be in slow motion. And you mentioned it with Deadpool. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, with Deadpool, he would, like, talk during the slow motion. He he, Well,
1: it depended. Sometimes it was, like, just to, like, get the effect of, like, oh, it's an explosion or, you know, whatever was happening. But, yeah, most of the time he would narrate um, as if, like, he was watching it with us.
0: Yeah, and I think for something like that, it's obviously a little different because they're doing that narration, but when it's just, like, you know, the explosion sounds and the effects and everything like that and you're not really getting anything out of the slow motion i think you know just cut that stuff just make it normal speed do that and you could definitely cut some time down on these movies well, but
1: it's it's funny having just watched it you'll actually you'll you'll be even more like you'll have just seen the scene but the scene when the uh after cat rescues Bucky and the rest of the howling commandos uh, or the people who become the howling commandos, um, as they're, they're walking back to the camp and, you know, uh, right. That scene right before that, um, uh, they like decide to pronounce, you know, captain America dead or whatever they say. And as they're walking back, that scene is slow because everyone's walking, but it's not in slow motion. And you 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 feel the like in in terms of a build that was perfect because you're like oh my gosh he did it everyone's back and he's not at the you know he's he's at the the front of the you know walking but he looks just like the rest of them you know yeah he's not he's not in the like uh, 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 he's not in the really bright um costume that they used for um avengers you know he he's you know, it's, it's worn out now. And it, he, it looked, the scene looks really good. It comes out, you know, and it's one of those scenes that you can't, you can't just like isolate it. You need the rest of the movie around it to have it, but, you know, and you have, you know, Bucky walking beside him. And the interesting thing is, you know, while you were talking, I realized, I'm I'm now curious how much they used it in Winter Soldier, because the one thing is that with Bucky also, they didn't, Use a. It wasn't really slow motion when he falls off the side of the train. In fact, no. he falls off, and you have to kind of like move on. And you're like, "What? <laughs> yeah." <laughs> this character who was with us this whole movie, you know. And I mean, you know, he's gonna, you know, you know, Steve's is gonna have like a really bad reaction to it because, of course, he would. Um, and in in part, it leads to you know, all the other choices he makes, but you you really you don't get considering the again the pacing and all of that considering that and then everything else you really don't get a moment at that point in the movie to go oh my god Bucky's dead (laughs) like you know and and I think it's funny because if you look at like scenes that rely very heavily on that particular moment like the Bucky reveal in Winter Soldier it's not slow motion that they use the reveal Bucky like flips over and then his mask comes off and you know it's like oh it's Bucky but they didn't they didn't really slow a lot of that down and now i'm curious if they used it at all in winter soldier that's why now i i guess i have to watch that movie again um we'll just have to like, have
0: you back on for another yeah. podcast <laughs> okay,
1: okay yeah i i i you know especially thinking about like like they use it quite a bit in civil war when they run at each other in the in the yeah. airport That was bad. (laughs) You're kind of like, oh my gosh, like, why is it? They did it again. Why? (laughs) Why is it taking 10 years? They weren't that far away from each other. They could hear each other perfectly. Um, You know, they didn't get a running start. They, you know, Tony loses his patience and they go after each other. It's not, you know, it shouldn't have taken that long. And I, I think it's interesting because, like, especially with, you know, Civil War, you have the same, you know, directors making the same choices as Winter Soldier. And now, like, that's why I'm wondering if I didn't notice it or if it really, like, the storyline worked so much better in Winter Soldier that it, like, the slow motion works. You know what I mean? That's why, like... because. Yeah. Because the the moments in Captain America, it definitely, it's very jarring. It's very you know when it should be slow,
0: it's not. And When it is, it's it's now I'm going to be really hyper aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but there are instances like you mentioned, Wonder Woman and No Man's Land, where it does work, and they didn't overdo it on that. It's like they gave you just enough to show you just what Wonder Woman was capable of, and it sort of allows all of the men to have a little moment to have this register in their head what exactly she's doing and then be like oh crap we have to follow her
1: <laughs> so she had to fight for that scene patty jenkins they didn't want it yeah um she i think also though like wonder woman does um they did like uh sp- sped up shots too like a lot of them like yeah. when she does a lot of her fighting it it's sped up which i think that rever- in reverse would work in some of the Marvel movies, you know, if they wanted to mix it up in terms of using like both and, you know, in different scenes, I think that that would make it really interesting. But the fight sequences, the Marvel fight sequences aren't, aren't really all that, you know, sped up. There's a lot, there's often a lot going on at at once. Um, uh, no matter even in, you know, even if it's, even if it's just, you know, just Captain America, Um, there's, there's a lot going on when it's the, the real like big fight scenes, but, um, they, they could, I feel like if they tried that, if they mixed it up a little bit, like, oh, it's fast and then it's slow. Um, and not like, not like Matrix fast or slow. Right, (laughs) right. It's 2017. Let's not do that. Um, I think that, I think that they, I think that, that might make some of the slow motion that doesn't work, work better because like you said, you're not really highlighting anything when you slow it down to show him, you know, throwing a grenade, you know, you're not what you're trying, what I, you know, I get sometimes what what is trying to be accomplished by the filmmakers, but then you, again, you're taken out of it and you lose so much time because You're, you know, it's, it kind of reminds me of the end of the movie too. He's, he's, it's sad. It's really sad actually. But you, you spend, you know, he, he knocks out Red Skull and then, you know, gets him off the plane and you're like, oh, okay, good. It's the end of the movie. And then those last few minutes you spend with, with Peggy and Steve. But even, you know, even with that, you, it's, I mean, that point in the movie, it's so earned. It's, you know and that's part of it i feel like sometimes those like those particular fight sequences you're just not it's not it's not earned but that whole that the the lower key moments that do happen in real time are i feel like what's important and so when you slow down a a move or something you're you're totally you're totally missing the the bigger picture you know that's why you know i think it's interesting especially cuz i don't i don't really you know, I remember the scene you're talking about, but it never really, like, registered as anything important, and I think it's interesting that it bothered you so much, because um, that really isn't something that needed to be slow, whereas like, even if they wanted to slow down, you know, it is slow, because they're talking, but if you wanted to slow down the scene when he goes into the water, at least you can see, like, okay, they're, like, you know, drawing out all of our feelings. (laughs) You know, you're not he especially because like fighting in particular isn't really like Steve does it because he has to it's not it's not something he you know he He doesn't enjoy it (laughs) no he picks up you know he doesn't enjoy it that that, that's like the crux of like civil war he doesn't enjoy it at all he you know he would much rather you know sit around and have a you know discussion but he, he does it because he has to. And I think that's, that's what I think also what makes it so interesting about like picking up the shield. But so like, yeah, so highlighting a, a Steve moment where he's doing something superhero that's not, that's not, that's not superhero-y. That's not <laughs> superhero-y Steve, you know, telling Peggy that he'll, you know, he doesn't know how to dance and, you know, they'll dance and, it draws right back on that scene that you said is so good in the beginning of the movie with the two of them.
0: Yeah. And I think the fact that they pick the more, you know, big explosions and everything to use slow motion for, but then they'll happily jump 70 years in like, you know, 30 seconds. (laughs) It's just one of those weird things to me. And one other thing I want to note with the visual effects and everything, I did really like, What they did with his motorcycle, how they had the fire coming out of it, and it sort of had all these little toys on it and everything, courtesy of Howard Stark. I think, you know, we get a lot more of Howard's inventions and everything, and that in Agent Carter, which I think it actually would have been pretty cool to see a little more of that simply because then we jump that 70 years and it's like, okay, well then we just went from him to Tony Stark, you know, in a matter of minutes there, timeline-wise and everything. But I I do think there are some very good visual effects in this, even if I'm not the biggest fan of having slow motion just for the sake of having slow motion. But before we talk about the post credit scene here, is there anything we've missed that you want to make note of?
1: I, I uh, see, we talked about um, Peggy and Steve, which is my favorite. They are my background on my iPad. <laughs> it's some, like, fan art. Yeah, it's really cool. Let's see. Um, and, and people keep making really intense comparisons to them and Diana and Steve Trevor, which I actually love. I think it's funny that they're so similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I totally agree on, on Howard. In fact, Howard, just to actually talk about him just for a second, is... Yeah so fascinating because um, I I talk about uh, with a bunch of people, we've talked about like Marvel dads. Like it, it, Disney is, it's funny that Disney bought Marvel because they have like a mom issue in their movies. And um, it's kind of funny because like some of the mothers don't exist at all. Or then you have like what happens to like and Thor and stuff like that. But there is a distinct, like everyone has daddy issues in the Marvel universe and it's bad. And Howard though is so interesting because he's such a likable character. And then like, you know, though, you know that, you know, he never, he never stopped looking for Steve, which totally put, you know, a, a damper on even, you know, Tony's growing up. And he, you know, I, it, it's actually, it's, it's totally a shame that Agent Carter didn't get more time to do what it was trying to do because even the, you know, even the idea of, like, Howard settling down is so funny to me because he's this, you know, he's he's Tony, <laughs> just his father, so he's this billionaire playboy for lamp- therapist, And, um, you know, seeing him, you know, get to play around and stuff. The I think the one thing that Captain America misses is that Steve gets his shield really, like, late into the film, because, which, it makes perfect sense when he does. But we didn't really get to enjoy, you know, a lot of what, you know, Howard was doing. He was a part of making Steve, Steve, but he you know, he's out there tinkering with toys and stuff like that. And, and it's, you know, you forget, you forget that it's the 1940s, you know? And I think that if the movie had given, cause there's a, there is a, Steve even says, I think it's in civil war. He says something like, Oh, I always liked your father or something like that. And he was, and Tony was like, Oh, I had no idea. Or, you know, he knew who you were. Like it, I feel like there was an unexplored dynamic there, you know, um, because in Agent Carter, Howard even says something to Peggy about how, like, he, he loved Steve too. And the the indelible mark that not Captain America left, but Steve Rogers, speaks so much to, you know, why Captain America works when, you know, they, they picked the right guy. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that... How, Howard, I'm always, I think they could make a series about Howard and I would probably watch it because as much as I don't like the way he treated Tony, um, I think that he, he's, there's so much unexplored. I mean, he was just as he was maybe, you know, Tony might be smarter. I, I think Tony might be a lot smarter, actually. But, you know, even when Civil War was happening, there was all those jokes like, oh, well, Howard would be on, you know, team cap and I think that like when you think about that it's very sad but it's also it it's it's true and it speaks to you know the the small group of people that saw Steve become what he is you know and and that's that part of the origin story that doesn't work, does work. And I think that Howard himself, you know, plays such a huge part in that, that you forget, you know, you, you forget that everything Steve does and he uses and stuff like that, it, it, it's all stark technology, you know. That's why I guess it's not so weird for him to work for S.H.I.E.L.D. in uh, Winter Soldier, because that was that was definitely... You know, we'll have to, we'll definitely have to talk about your because that was I think, one of the more surprising things seeing you know Steve like adjust to technology and all of that stuff.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Tony probably being smarter than Howard, and I think because of all the advancements and everything, that sort of gives him the upper hand, I guess you could say. And you know, he has Jarvis and everything like this, and Howard basically didn't have nearly as much to work with. So I think in that sense, it's probably more impressive what Howard was able to accomplish. And he sort of created Steve in a big sense because it was his project with the military and everything with the serum and making a super soldier. And, you know, he's there turning the knobs and, you know, everything like that. And, It's almost like, you know, Steve was like his first kid or something like
1: that. It was. Absolutely. That's exactly. That's why I think Tony hates him a little bit. Yeah. Because Steve came around way and 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 not just his first kid, but like the golden child, like the standard that no one could possibly ever reach for whatever reason that that existed in, in Howard's head. But because he 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 didn't idolize Steve because he didn't need to but he definitely he you know it's very it's very you know Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster you know yeah it's very except that he loved him he was he was proud of his creation and you know he tell and it's interesting because there is there is that line he does tell Tony that like he's the greatest thing he's ever made or something like that um, and in thinking about the fact that like Steve was the the firstborn, um, there that really feels very even more insincere than it than it is, and it is pretty insincere, right? Because he's equating you know Tony to mostly inanimate objects. <laughs> I think that that yeah that that's definitely he's. he's so Steve and, and Tony share share dad in a way. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about the post credit scene? This is something Marvel's been doing for a while, but one big difference I noticed about the ones they do now and this one specifically, there was a lot more text in this one, and they gave you the title of the next movie. So it was almost like it was more of a trailer, for the Avengers, like a mini teaser sort of thing, than these sort of more cryptic post credit scenes that they've started doing. And, you know, when I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, there were like four different scenes within the credits and after the credits. So, you know, sometimes maybe they get a little out of hand with them. But with this, it was very strange to see the title card and everything for the Avengers. But I did love the some assembly required part if they would have just done that and not even given us the avengers i think it would have been a little more entertaining for me anyway but what do you think of the post-credit scenes do you find them intriguing because of all these little easter eggs they start putting in them now
1: so I think, I, I agree. I think that it would have been a lot better if they were a little bit more subtle um, as because the movie's already called Captain America the First Avenger. Right. Um, and what's interesting is I I was actually surprised that Guardians of the Galaxy did what they did because it's not like they didn't have any other Marvel movies coming out this year that they could have even, you know, the whole point of a post-credit scene, the, the some of the best post-credit scenes are ones that have nothing to do with the movie. They are totally related to another movie. So I think that they could have even spaced out. I mean, they they have Black Panther coming, they have Thor Ragnarok. So it's, you know, they had spider-man which already had two and those two were actually kind of perfect but i i so the the older ones like if you go all the way back to iron man and nick fury is uh in stark tower um There was something really novel about that. And I think that it's been interesting to watch them like change with the times because now people expect it. Although I'm always shocked that people get up at the end of a Marvel movie. I don't understand it because I'm fairly confident that everyone in the theater has not seen the movie yet. So I don't know why they're not staying except that either they watched it online, which I think you miss out. And you know, the, especially the one at the end of Spider-Man works so much better in a the theater. Um, But yeah, I think that I like the ones that they kind of leave you going like the, the one that introduced us to Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch was really good because they spoke about a bunch of things, including infinity stones in that one. But also it it had these, you know, two new characters that you knew were coming. And I think that was like a perfect way to, you know, segue into age of Ultron. So I kind of, I like, I either like the ones that are like non sequiturs and have nothing to do with anything or are just there for the laugh because they're perfect. And I like the ones that, um like right now we're heading into a lot of like really spoilery territory not us specifically because we don't know what they're doing but like they're not going to show us a lot of Infinity War related stuff. I, I know it. people are gonna sit. They know. They know that the people, at least who do commit to sitting there, are gonna sit there and expect something. And they are gonna they are gonna drag this out as long as they can, so that they can keep their secrets as long as they can. And I totally understand that thinking. But I, I'll be curious to see what they do in the next like you know year or two. They're not they they're. So, they can't keep making the same jokes, like "Oh ha ha, you sat for a an after credit scene and but they can't really show us much, you know um especially because uh after uh I think it was the first guardians. Um, when they had uh, Howard the Duck, and everyone was like, oh, he's getting his own movie, and they had to make all these statements, and they were like, no, I mean, he'll show up sometimes, maybe, but no, he's not getting his own movie. I think that they have to be, like, very, very careful now, because people are, like, misunderstanding the intent of these after-credit scenes, you know. um, Some of them are very, like, like, Winter Soldier was, it was very specific, you know, that after credit scene where Bucky walks into the museum to essentially learn about himself. You know why, you know, that, that in, in the story arc, he is, he has to know who Steve is. He has to. And, um, I think that we've reached the point where we can't have scenes like that anymore, where they're so specifically character based that they're leading you to the next like plot point sort of worked in, you know, Spider-Man, but I, I, it will be interesting what they, what they do. I think it's funny that after every like Spider-Man related, like when they had the after credit scene in civil war, they said Spider-Man will return. And then they did it again after this movie Um, it's like, they have to remind people like they're like, we are making these movies now. Um, and it's interesting because also people don't like Marvel has had years to map some of this stuff out. And at least, uh, at least a couple of years ago, some of those scenes were filmed like a long time ago. I don't think that's so much the case anymore. Um, but like it's when people go to see DC movies, you know, it's not they they're competing now, but they they haven't mapped out their world the same way. So there aren't always after credit scenes. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that. There's like, you know, one franchise that you can go to and you know that you're going to have to sit there the whole time. And then there's yeah. one that you can go to and it's like, yay, the movie's over. We can leave. <laughs> I'm not going to be teased. Because that's the other thing, like, I don't, I don't need, you know, like, exactly, especially like the way Captain America ends, I didn't need like a, like a trailer at the end to, to tell me what was coming. Um, you know, I think that, and again, they can't tell us certain things, you know, I think that certain after credit scenes would be really interesting, like, like, after Civil War, it would have been really funny i mean they're getting their own movies anyway you know thor's getting his own movie but it would have been funny to see like what he was up to while they were like fight like was he watching them fight you know what i mean like yeah it would have been like there was there was some comedic opportunity that was like lost there and it's the same thing uh you know with the hulk like there's i feel like especially because um bruce was in the after credit scene for i think it was iron man 3 and he says that, you know, I'm not that kind of doctor, you know, they, they've they done a really good job of mixing, you know, funny with serious, which I guess is why there's always two, unless whoever decided that Guardians should have five. But they, it, it'll be, it's going to be very interesting also, because, like, there's a lot of changes coming. And I don't think casual marvel viewers understand that exactly because it's you know especially you know i mean contract talks and everything like that are always coming out but even uh even dr strange like his after credit scenes were very funny because thor was in it but like we haven't seen him since his movie and I feel like that makes it really easy to like forget about him a little bit especially because he's not really like a favorite (laughs) at least as far as I know you know uh, his movie got like kind of mixed reviews Um, I liked it though but he I think that like it would have because they have a bunch of new characters some who will never get their own movie but then like a great example is that Captain Marvel has been supposed to come out in 2018 but it's now 2019 are we gonna see her in a you know in a post credit scene like right. you know I th- think that she's in Infinity War I do but still like there's a, a several movies coming out before Infinity War and so I I'm, I don't you know I feel like they have the because they have all these movies mapped out and maybe they don't want to spoil certain things They still feel like they could show us something things like we should we should see captain marvel a little bit you know they should start introducing that she's you know she's around <laughs> she she's in the universe she exists because while they make people really happy i mean i definitely enjoy the after credit scenes but i think that they also um i don't know i there was a point where they definitely were a little bit more interesting. I'm, I mean, I'm glad we've reached the point where we're also cracking jokes when they make them, because I don't mind, you know, going a little meta, but I think that, you know, especially, you know, thinking really in terms of Spider-Man, um, you know, it was very centered on his movies, his story. It had almost nothing to do with the larger universe. Um, you know, they used to, they used to use them a little bit differently and I guess they're, you know, experimenting. So it'll be interesting what happens in, you know, a year, or two. It'll be interesting what happens after, you know, even the first Infinity War comes out because that, you know, that already changes things, you know. So we'll see. It, it I think more than anything, they can't use McFury for anything anymore as far as like extra scenes go. Right. And, um, so it'll be interesting when we can kind of go back to that because that's going to happen too. There's going to be other people who, you know, join the Avengers and stuff like that. And and I think it'll be it'll be fun because it'll feel like a little bit of like a throwback to older scenes, which will be really interesting because like Iron Man's turning ten, the universe itself is is aging. So you know they it, it's it, it it's definitely interesting because they they've learned a lot. You know I think that's why if Spider-Man was made when Captain America was made and I don't mean the other Spider-Man movies that were being made at that time it would have been a very different movie than like what we got now right in this. so you know they're they're definitely they're learning it's slow but i think that you know I, I also think that few films especially superhero movies could be as like perfect as the way winter soldier is because of the characters involved so i think that you know you're not really going to get as interesting i mean that's why even the post-credit scenes are interesting in that movie because they're partially leading to somewhere else but they're partially starting you know if starting up the story that you know is is coming so
0: yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what they do because Thor Ragnarok is the next film and it'll be interesting to see if they have that lead more into what's coming in Infinity War simply because, you know, Thor obviously takes place not on Earth, so that might be a better lead into something Infinity Re- Infinity War related, but...
1: Or that, they? Oh yeah, they used to have stuff with Thanos too. That they don't yeah. really—they're not really showing him much lately either.
0: Yeah, I know they showed him in the first Guardians movie, yeah. which makes sense because you get his daughters in the film. So to not show him in either of the Guardians movies would have been re- very, would have been very strange. So I'm definitely looking forward to what they come up with. I don't know if I'm necessarily excited about thor ragnarok but i'll probably go watch it just to watch it i think the only movie in the marvel universe that i haven't watched yet is dr strange because i felt like it didn't tie in quite as much as the rest i haven't i just haven't watched it and like you said mixed reviews and everything like that but anyway that's getting a little ways away from captain america but i will definitely be glad to have you back on for the winter soldier. I know now you probably want to talk about that even more, (laughs) so we can definitely do that. But you know, I think this was definitely a great conversation and I just want to thank you so much Julie for coming on to talk about this, even though, you know, this wasn't the best of the Marvel films and there were a lot of problems with it. I think there was still enough good to pluck out of it for you know future films and everything like that especially with the Peggy Cap storyline the Cap Bucky storyline and that sort of thing so again thank you so much for coming on to talk about this.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course and to our listeners as always thank you all for listening because without you listening there probably wouldn't be a podcast and if you you guys could share this. Just share the episodes you enjoy. I won't even ask for iTunes reviews. I mean, I think word of mouth is definitely the way to go for this, but if you guys could share it, that would be awesome. But in general, just thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.